We will be looking at modern-day Pharisees and Sadducees. After all, human nature does not change. What characterized the Pharisees and the Sadducees at the time of Jesus is still with us today. In fact, I have heard people refer to a person or a group as modern-day Pharisees. What does that mean? Can it be applied to you or to anyone you know? I suggest that every one of us leans toward either the features of the Pharisees or toward those of the Sadducees. Of course, only if we lean too far does it become unacceptable, but all of us can learn to overcome any excesses in our attitudes and behavior that become offensive to others, which is the purpose of this podcast, so you can perceive what is a modern-day Pharisee and what is a modern-day Sadducee. We will look at the Sadducees first before turning to the Pharisees. After that, I think you may be startled to see the relationship of Jesus, Yeshua, to these two religious sects. Finally, we will apply the teachings of Yeshua to our lives today. The Sadducees were a group of Jews who typically came from the upper social and economic classes of Judean society. They held prestigious positions in the government and the religious hierarchy. The point I wish to make is that these Sadducees were opposed to any significant change because that would threaten their privileged and financial security. We can call them conservatives. Are you a conservative in your religious and political views? If so, you are a descendant of the Sadducees. It was not the Pharisees who were legalistic, but the Sadducees. Legalism is the practice of adhering, often excessively, to a literal understanding of the law. The Sadducees refused to be flexible in legal matters because they believed in a rigid interpretation of the holy writings. One example was their rejection of the idea of resurrection. Instead, they continued to promote Sheol, which is portrayed in the Torah as a realm of the dead in the underworld. The soul, the Sadducees claimed, is not immortal, so there is no life after death. Another example was the refusal of the Sadducees to allow daughters to inherit when there were no sons, which reinforced their patriarchal authority and minimized the importance of women. Still a third example was the Sadducees' position on divorce, which they claimed was illegal under God's law. They pointed to Genesis 2.24, A man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. However, the Pharisees countered with Deuteronomy 24.1, which allowed divorce under certain conditions. When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, He writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out from his house. Although Yeshua did not align with either the Sadducees or the Pharisees, and often criticized both in his teachings, his views are more closely aligned with the flexible interpretations of the Pharisees. We must ask, how was Jesus a liberal But first, we must consider the liberal ideas of the Pharisees and how they differed from the Sadducees. We have already seen that the Pharisees allowed divorce under certain conditions, and they preached resurrection when God will reward the righteous and punish the unrighteous. 
I will offer three more liberal ideas of the Pharisees that allowed modifications to a strict interpretation of the law. First, the Sadducees relied exclusively on the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, whereas the Pharisees perceived the prophets and the writings as interpretation and expansion of the Torah. The Pharisees considered these books equally sacred as the Torah. Therefore, they concluded not only that interpretation of the Torah was encouraged by God, as evidenced by the prophets and the writings, but also that such interpretation should continue to meet the needs of God's people in various times and places. They developed methods to uncover previously hidden meaning in Scripture. The liberal conclusions of the Pharisees were first collected in what is known as the Oral Law, which was handed down verbally from master to disciple until the destruction of the temple. Because Jews were then dispersed by the Romans throughout their empire, many of these conclusions were compiled in the Mishnah. The Talmud, which followed the Mishnah, records debates among the Jewish rabbis that continued this tradition of searching for deeper meaning in the Hebrew scriptures for application to practical situations. Second, as we continue to look at liberal ideas of the Pharisees, we see that the Sadducees promoted rituals performed at the temple as the only true way to worship God. However, the Pharisees pointed to Exodus 19 verses 3 through 6 that spoke of all the people of God becoming priests of the Lord. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the sons of Israel, If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. According to the Pharisees, every Jew could become a priest if they studied the law and walked in the ways of God. Third, in our list of liberal ideas promoted by the Pharisees, we see a tendency for the conservative Sadducees to demean the role of women to preserve a patriarchal society. Apparently, this was also a practice among many of the Pharisees, so this is where we will leave the conservative traditions of the Sadducees and the largely liberal ideas of the Pharisees as we turn to Yeshua, whose profound teachings were often even more liberal than the Pharisees. Yeshua's liberal ideas promoted change. I was impressed with an article by the journalist Richard Schiffman, which he posted on the website HuffPost.com. I will follow some of his suggestions as I present the liberal teachings of Yeshua. Schiffman concludes that Jesus was committed passionately to freeing people from all bonds. In the words of Schiffman, Jesus was no reformer content to tidy things up around the edges. He was a truth-speaking liberator who aimed for nothing less than overturning the money-changer tables of the corrupted human heart. He wouldn't settle for changing the world. He wanted to transform the human animal, which is a whole lot harder. I find Schiffman's comment about Yeshua desiring to change the human heart most insightful. So let us consider some of Yeshua's teachings 
But we will do this through a modern lens. That is, we will apply what Yeshua taught to the people of Israel over 2,000 years ago to our own lives in the modern Western world. Number one. The dictionary defines liberal as not limited by established traditional orthodox or authoritarian attitudes, views, or dogmas. How was Yeshua liberal regarding religious orthodoxy? We find one example when Yeshua defied religious dogma by healing people on the Jewish Sabbath, which would have seriously startled the people for whom the Sabbath was a sacred commandment of God. Yet Yeshua insisted that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. That is, Yeshua was disputing the legalism of rigidly adhering to the law. For example, when he healed the man with a withered hand, he expressed the need for compassion which takes precedence over God's instruction for observing the Sabbath. Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill? What is the message for us today? We must not be rigid in our interpretation of God's Word, but we must focus instead on understanding and acting on the needs of God's people. Number two, the dictionary explains that liberal means a person is willing to respect or accept behavior, lifestyles, beliefs, or opinions different from your own. We will see that this describes Yeshua. In the time of Yeshua, lepers were like homosexuals today. Lepers were condemned as unholy because of their condition, and they were ostracized from society. The story of Yeshua healing a leper is much more than an historical record. Instead, I suggest that it is intended as instruction. Since leprosy was highly contagious, no one dared to touch a leper. Yet we learn that when a leper came to Yeshua, he was moved with compassion, so he stretched out his hand and touched him. Do you have compassion on those who have been condemned by the church? Do you reach out to them and touch them with the loving kindness of God? How do we apply this lesson of Yeshua to our lives today about respecting the beliefs and lifestyles of others? I know of some churches that do not allow homosexuals to become members of their congregation. And certainly, the lifestyle of homosexuals is widely condemned by many Christians. Of course, this sexual behavior is contrary to God, therefore it is a sin. But Yeshua taught us not to judge others. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, Do not judge, so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. So who are we to judge sinners when we ourselves are not free of sin? then how should we treat homosexuals if we know this behavior is a sin in God's eyes, but we are not supposed to judge? Yeshua offered the leper the love of God by touching the untouchable, which I suggest is symbolic 
of offering the love of God, not the condemnation of judgment. Number three, the dictionary says that to be liberal means to be tolerant of the ideas and behavior of others. Let us consider the Samaritans in the time of Yeshua. They were a conquered people who had been resettled by the Assyrians in the north of Israel. The Samaritans had adopted Judaism but still retained some of their pagan beliefs, and therefore they were considered pagan non-believers by the Jews. The story of the Good Samaritan teaches us that we must have compassion even on those whose beliefs are different from ours. How should we apply this teaching to our lives today? The Apostle Paul gives us practical advice. As for the one who is weak in faith, Paul instructed, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. That's in Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Can you apply this wisdom to welcome, but not to argue with unbelieving Jews and to those of other faiths such as Muslims? Number four. The dictionary tells us that the word liberal derives from the Latin liberalis, meaning generous. Thus, liberal means characterized by generosity and willingness to give in large amounts, thus a liberal giver. Certainly, liberals give of their wealth, but liberal generosity goes far beyond a financial tithe. Listen to the kindness of Yeshua, who said, When you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. What is the message for us today? The poor and the maimed in our country include immigrants and minorities who are often struggling to survive in a culture that treats them poorly. Yeshua welcomed these people into his presence, and so should we. Number five. The dictionary says that liberals are open to new ideas, which is a fundamental principle for accepting and promoting change. An excellent example is Yeshua's progressive attitude toward women in the patriarchal society of ancient Israel. In Matthew chapter 19, we find the Pharisees challenging Yeshua on the question of divorce. You will remember that the Pharisees pointed to Deuteronomy 24.1, which declares the divorce was permitted for some indecency. The Hebrew word translated indecency means nakedness and refers to standing before God in a sinful condition. We learn that Yeshua did not support the position of the Sadducees, who claimed that divorce was illegal in the eyes of God, nor did he agree with the more liberal approach of the Pharisees, Instead, he reprimanded the Pharisees for taking advantage of divorce, thus often leaving a woman without the support of a family or community. With a strong rebuke, Yeshua announced, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it has not been this way. By speaking of the beginning, Yeshua was referring to the creation account, where we see the biblical goal of marriage for a man and his wife to be united as one. So what is the message? Resist the temptation to form firm and legalistic conclusions on religious, political, and cultural debates. Instead, 
be open to new thoughts and ideas, and consider these suggestions carefully before making a final decision. Number six. The dictionary says that to be liberal is to be favorable to concepts of individual freedom. Well, Yeshua asserted that he had come to proclaim freedom for the prisoners to release the oppressed. However, this is not freedom from governmental control, because Yeshua taught that we should render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. So Yeshua was not talking about government control through taxes and laws. Instead, he was promoting personal freedom from the oppressive control of sin. So, what is the message for us today? Yeshua instructed us to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This advice leads us toward personal freedom that releases us from the oppression of sin. Number seven. The dictionary tells us that liberals are often dissatisfied with the governing elite and want to make changes that benefit the people. Did you hear the two key concepts? First, liberals are sensitive to corruption in the government. Second, any change in the government must benefit the people. There are two examples of Yeshua addressing government corruption. One is when he overturned the tables of the money changers because they were charging exorbitant fees. Then he used a whip to chase out those selling animals for sacrifice on the temple grounds. Yeshua took action when he saw corruption that was harming the people. Then there is the account of the woman accused of adultery by the temple priests, many of whom would have been Sadducees in charge of temple activities. These priests wanted to punish the woman according to the strict letter of the law, which was death by stoning. So Yeshua demanded of these legalistic priests, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. The priests slowly departed, and Yeshua was left with the woman to whom he said, Go, from now on, sin no more. The message of these stories urges us to take action when we see corruption in the government at any level, whether it is local, state, or federal. In our democratic society, we have many opportunities for such action, but too often we are complacent. As a liberal, Yeshua whipped those taking advantage of the people, and he confronted the corrupt priests who should have been living examples of righteous behavior. In conclusion, I find it quite sad and certainly unsettling that many teachers and theologians today are insisting that Yeshua was a conservative by holding and protecting traditional ideas. They refuse to even consider that Yeshua was a liberal who introduced new concepts about how to live a righteous life that pleases God. I trust you are not clinging to traditional ideas in a legalistic manner, but will consider new ways to solve religious, cultural, and political problems that will bless God's people.